The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. All right, all right. Welcome to Brother from Another. And I got to tell you, it is always a pleasure for me to see my brother, J.A. Adande, who I have known since 1990, 1991. Three, three, four. Somewhere. 92, 93, somewhere in there. Now. Yeah, yeah, long time. Uh, it's all been good. And, you know, Jay, uh, through all the years, and it's, uh, it really has been great. I mean, one year... Like one of the best gifts you've ever given me. I don't know if you remember this. Uh, for my 30th birthday, I think maybe somebody did it for you, so you just turned around and you re-gifted it to me. Um, for your 30th birthday, somebody gave you uh, a playlist for every year of your life at that no, point. I, I so, made that, yeah, for me. So I might have made one for you. You made it for yourself. You made it for yourself. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and since we're pretty much the same age, I, I made this for myself. This is dope. Check it out. But it was great. I really appreciate it. So you know, we've been through a lot over the years, but I don't think we've ever had this conversation because I think I know the answer. Those of y'all out there listening on Sirius XM channel 85 watching on Peacock TV, YouTube, however you consume us. Thank you. We appreciate it. But J.A. Adande, for those who don't know, used to work for the Chicago Sun-Times. He's a professor at Northwestern University. That's in Evanston, Indiana. I mean, Evanston, Illinois, Illinois which is which is very, very, very close to Chicago. Very close. Nice drive. Nice drive uh, up to Evanston. So um, he covered Michael Jordan. He was around for the Jordan era and all that. So I'm guessing when I ask you the question, who's the best player in the history of the game? I think I know the answer, but go ahead. I don't want to speak for you. Who's the best player in the history of of the NBA? (laughs) You basically laid out my my predisposition, right? But the fact that, I, yes, I did see him. I was around him. I saw him at his best. So my answer is Michael Jordan. And it was reluctant for a while because I was raised on Magic Johnson. And I believe right. Magic was the best, but Michael surpassed him. And I believe LeBron yeah. has surpassed Magic now. Yeah, I was going to say, like, for me, like, my, my troll answer, because you, you talk about raised on, you were raised on Magic Johnson, so... Magic was before you were a kid watching magic. I had the reverse effect. I was a grown-up being told about the kid coming up LeBron James because I'm from Akron, Ohio. As I said yesterday, I grew up five minutes from where LeBron grew up in in Spring Hill. Um, And so I I kept hearing about this guy LeBron James. I said, no, he can't be that good. And yeah, not only is is he as good as I was told, he he exceeded expectations from the start. 
So my troll answer is LeBron James, but my real answer is Michael Jordan. I got Jordan one. I got LeBron two, one two, and some days I have Jordan one. I have Bill Russell two, just because, just because. I mean, all all the winning. I don't care what era it happened in, all the winning, all the dominance. But I bring all that up to get here, where I think there was a real conversation happening, a real response, and I believe there was a troll kind of prompt. I think that dynamic was happening last night on Inside the NBA. Check it out. I'm wondering, not saying, I'm just wondering because he's been consistently the best shooter his whole career. I'm wondering is it time to start putting him as the best player of all time? Best player? Oh, you put him over you? In, in, in the conversation. I'm asking you. Yes. You put him over you. Okay. You yourself Way put better. Steph Curry yes. over you. Yeah, that, this is why he's my favorite player. Cause I'm not saying favorite. Played, he might be my favorite too, but I'm just asking you I think played, he's better than you. I played 20 years, watched 20 years before that. I've never seen a guy like him, and he's doing it consistently, and he has championships. You put him Maybe over Michael. Time. No, I, no, I'm not putting him anywhere. I'm saying, okay, you know, for all the children, Chad, is it time to just put him in the conversation? Think, we're not taking it away from his greatness to say he's. Is it time to put him in the conversation? I'm just asking the question. Yes or no? If you're having no. the conversation, his name would come up. No, no. If I'm name, having the no. conversation, yeah. As the best player ever? No. Yeah. Not as the best player ever. He can do it all. Except no, he's, he's, he's the best position. He might be he, best in his position. Hey, man, he can do it all. No. Listen, his, his title is solidified. He's the best shooter ever by far. But I'm saying because of what he's done and how long he's done it, do we put him in that conversation? Hey, man. Hey, hey, look, look, I just, Jay, I don't know how you feel about it. Anytime I hear somebody say, I'm just asking the question, or we just start the conversation, I immediately call BS. No, you're not. <laughs> no, no, you're not. Well, also, you have to consider the source. And I <laughs> yeah, think, Shaq, right. at this point, he's searching for optimal social media engagement. If you look at his Instagram feed, he's constantly, he'll put together various lineups, you know, and he'll say, okay, which one are you taking? You know, and, yeah, and, you and I give Shaq credit for being early, if not the first on the social media game. I first signed up for Twitter because Shaq was on there posting where he was and what he was up to. And so I said, okay, let me get on Twitter so I can see what Shaq is up to. So he was hip to the game very early on, and I think he continues to do so. This is the modern the version big, of what he the did. Big IPO. So, the big IPO, the big IPO, all over it. Right? So he used to he used to say marketing. That was his his catchphrase. Now I would say social media algorithms. If you asked him what he was thinking, I'll give you a quick story. He uh, injured a finger one time, playoff game against the Spurs. Has to go back to the locker room, and we're all wondering who is going to come back. What what's happening with Shaq? And comes back. The Lakers win the game. Afterward, he tells this story of he was back in the locker room and his father calls in on the on the phone that's in the trainer's room and says, you know, get your ass back out there. And so he was like, yes, sir. And so he went back out there and led the Lakers to victory. That was the story that he told. So I ran into the Lakers athletic trainer, Gary Vitti. I said, so were you in there when, when the phone rang? And he said, what are you talking about? And he said, Shaq said his, his dad called you know, in the, on the phone in the trainer's room and, and told him to get out there. Vidi said, there's, there's no phone in the trainer's room. I said, well, well Shaq, Shaq said, his dad said, and he said, that's what he told you, huh? <laughs> so I bumped into Shaq on his way out the arena, and I said, Shaq, man, there's no phone. That, that story didn't happen. Come on now. 
and he just starts receding into the darkness in the uh, in the the garage area of the the Staples Center, and he just grins and he says marketing. <laughs> so he was telling the story for marketing. marketing. So I'm marketing. sure if I if I found him in the garage area at the Turner Studios, he'd probably say social media algorithms. <laughs> That's all that was. I don't take it that yeah, seriously. And so, yeah, and so because Kenny was Kenny was like, come on, man. Come on. like I, And you got to understand, yo, so consider the source marketing for, for Shaq. Then you also have to ask who are you asking that question to? Kenny Smith. Kenny Smith, who played college basketball with Michael Jordan, <laughs> who went up against Mike. He was in the backcourt. It was Kenny Smith and Michael Jordan at North Carolina. And played with Akeem. And guys like and, Robert Ory, who played with right. Akeem Olajuwon, they will constantly elevate Akeem into the conversation. They'll say he needs to be conversed about, not Steph Curry. Yeah, so look, um, I, I don't think, I think Steph Curry is, I, I saw Jason Tatum recently, had his See, like, like that. Shaq's always doing stuff like that. Yeah. You know, who should you take? <laughs> yeah. He had, you know, Curry, uh, I mean, Tatum had his top seven. And he put Curry in his top seven. And he put LeBron in his top seven, you know. But, you know, he had, he had some of the, the usual, usual suspects. He did not have, however, talk about bad marketing. He did not have Larry Bird, nor did he have Bill Russell. Come on, Jason Tatum. He had a bunch of legs. Got to understand the, the uh, market. You know, part of marketing is no, understanding no your market. You're in Boston. No you might want to include those two to? guys. <laughs> That's right. Who are you talking to? Just, just get one of them. You ain't got to have both. Just got to have one of them. Just a little nod, uh, a little nod to the past. Anyway, um, yeah, he had those guys. I understand Steph Curry being in the, if you say the greatest 15 players, the greatest 10 players in the history of basketball. I just... I don't know. How would you ever consider him the best player you've ever seen? He's not the best player I've ever seen, which is which is not a slight at all. That, that to say he's not the best player I've ever seen. I've seen a lot of great players. I'm watching them now. I've seen them in the past. Um, I, I saw a post they sent it on. We had a, a BFA chain, and and one of the one of the posts was, "Hey, look at Kenny Smith, straight up hating." On, on inside the NBA. And I watched the clip. I said, where's the hate? Where's the hate? He just said Steph Curry is not the best player in basketball history. How's that hating? Right. League's almost right. 80 and, and years that's, old. That's why I hate a lot of these Curry conversations. Like, what yeah, the hell I mean, to say, about? you know, if I say I'm putting Michael over LeBron, I'm not hating on LeBron. I'm saying not that hating on LeBron. everyone that's ever played basketball, I'm only putting one guy over LeBron. To me, that's high praise. Um, you know, there's Steph Curry. There's the one thing you can say no one else did. Obviously, is all the three pointers that he made, right? So, I mean, he that he stands alone on that mountaintop of, of most career three pointers. That's something that a lot of people are basically, including Shaq, were ineligible for, right? Like Shaq would have been out the league quickly if he shot as many three pointers <laughs> at his size right. as Steph Curry did. So, you know, the fact that his greatest skill wasn't a part of the league for the first. I don't know, 30 years of its existence um, hurts his argument a little bit. Uh, and the fact that he doesn't have a killer stat, like my stat for Michael Jordan in the 90s, he won 25 out of 26 playoff series. You know, that like mm. to me, that's the go-to stat for Michael Jordan. With LeBron, especially coming as someone who, again, was raised on the Lakers, 
the fact that LeBron can say he has more points than Kareem and more assists than Magic, one guy can say both of those things, that goes a long way for me. You know, Steph Curry only having one finals MVP, I think hurts his argument. You know, he can't sit at the table with Shaq, with Magic, with Michael, um, you know, the, all those people have those things that he doesn't. And so, you know, there, there's not that one overall statistic and mostly something that relates to winning uh, that Steph Curry can claim that the other guys can't. Well, he can say... And it's hard to even say, call him the best of this era, right? Well, you can say he was part of a team that won more games. He was part of yes. a team that won 73, but then you turn around and say, well, they didn't win it that year. But he was a part of a dynastic... It's a small... It's like a handful of guys who were who were part of dynasties in the league where they kind of, you know, they kind of ran their era. And most of those guys are in the greatest conversations are in the top 10 conversations. Like magic ran his era and, <laughs> right. and Michael ran his era. You know, now this is interesting. Who ran the era between and, and you can say Steph has in his it's now Steph versus LeBron. It's like the co co running. Steph LeBron in their era, and then also Shaq and Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan right. never. I was waiting for that name I shouldn't to say come never. up. I shouldn't say never, but he doesn't come up often enough. Not enough. We're and, talking and, about you know if you're talking about an era, and if we're talking about the core of a dynasty, well, Tim Duncan's got five championships to Steph Curry's four. So I don't see how you move Curry past Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan never missed the playoffs in his entire career. Tim Duncan won a finals MVP in 1999. Um, if, you know, one shot away, he would have been the finals MVP. I've had this verified by the guy that tallied the votes. If Ray Allen doesn't make that shot, and if the, the Spurs win in 2013, Get those ropes Tim off Duncan the court. is the finals MVP. <laughs> get those ropes off the court. I love that, <laughs> that line from, from Ray. Yeah, get it off the court. Um, but yeah, you're right. And, and you know, I, I hate I hate to the, the bring it down to finals MVP because you could say maybe Steph should have won an, uh, uh, the MVP when they beat LeBron when they when they won the first one Iguodala got that finals Le MVP LeBron should have won that, that MVP he was the best player in those finals I was say, LeBron should have been the MVP of those finals Steph wasn't Steph wasn't at his best throughout the series but when it mattered. I uh, made some big shots. Obviously, they win that that series and didn't need seven games to win it. Iguodala won it because of. I, I'm always a little skeptical of those MVPs. He won it because of how he. Because LeBron didn't average LeBron. fifty. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> he held LeBron to like I think LeBron averaged like twenty eight 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 or something like that. And and ooh, same good job, Andre Iguodala. <laughs> It's the same thing when when Kawhi won his uh, in 2014. I love that team too. Uh, the Spurs uh, beat beat the Lakers. Uh, excuse me, Spurs beat the Heat. LeBron, right? LeBron LeBron's numbers in the series were good. <laughs> so your, your argument that oh well you know Kawhi look what he did against LeBron. Well, oh, I mean he did well, so but he didn't shut. I'll allow for this with Curry. His story isn't finished. And last night's right. performance, uh, you know, for him to play the final quarter and a half and overtime with five fouls, uh, yeah. I think he had 13 points in the fourth quarter, and then that absolute rainbow of a dagger. It's hard. Can you call a rainbow Ooh. a dagger? Like, those are two conflicting things. But, but that rainbow yeah. dagger, um, 
that 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 ended it basically, put the Celtics to sleep. And so it just felt like it sparked. It felt like we can have a conversation about the Warriors again. Like that 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 seems like it could be a pivotal moment in their season if they do indeed go on and go on a little run here. First, they have to get back to 500. <laughs> you know, um, funny to have a conversation about a guy whose team is below 500 at the time is one of the greatest ever. Um, but you know, let's say they go on a little run here. Let's say they put something together. Let's say Draymond gets his act together. Let's say the young players who showed a lot last night, right? Trey they Jackson did. Davis, Kaminga. Really you know, good game we, for him. I think, yeah, I think we Jackson learned a Davis, lot. I think they showed game. something to Steve Kerr. I think they earned some trust from Steve Kerr, the way they performed last night. So if they can build on that. If Steph leads this, you saw Steph being more vocal, realizing that with Draymond out, he's got to, you know, I think he was exhorting guys. He wasn't getting on guys. He seemed like he was exhorting guys a little bit normal, a little bit more than he normally does. Um, so if they can get on a run this year, if he gets to five late in his career at a time when the dynasty seems like it's it's waning, if not over, okay. Oh, we now, start to now reevaluate. He's now, at five. Now we're talking, right? So yeah, right. yeah. So so let's let the story to play out. And, and we'll see what we're talking about at the end of it. Right now, there's not enough data. And he still has a chance to add, but there's not enough data that I have to put Steph at the top or even really seriously embed him in the conversation. Uh, I can tell you this. The, the, the Celtics, they may not admit it. Uh, the Celtics are confident against most teams. The Warriors, it's just... Their experience with the Warriors, it's hard to shake. It's hard to shake. They were up uh, they were up by five points in game four of the NBA Finals. They were leading two games to one. They were up by five points. Last five minutes of the game, they win that game. They take a commanding 3-1 lead in the NBA Finals, and, and they probably win the NBA Finals. And then Steph Curry happened. Steph Curry happened <laughs> in game four. One of the great performances I've seen uh, in the NBA Finals. And... The Warriors beat the Celtics in six. They beat the Celtics. The Celtics didn't win another game. They didn't win another game. So when the Celtics play anybody else, they feel like, yeah, we can deal with them. I think the Celtics just have this thing uh, when it's the Warriors and they always check like some horror movie. Oh, he's dead. And you turn around. Don't turn around. And we're in the audience <laughs> like, don't turn around. Don't, he hey, don't go to the basement. Don't go to the basement. <laughs> Well, he we know they have a history with the Warriors, Michael. But what about these other teams they played on the road? Here's why I'm having trouble buying into the Celtics. They're six and Let's six hear. on the Let's road hear. now. Fourteen and zero at home. Okay. Six and six on the road, and right. their record in close games is not stellar either. And they haven't found themselves in a lot of close games. Uh, but when it is tight at the end, it, something happens to them the same way last night. They should not have lost that game last night. They had some great looks, some wide open threes and some shots at the Don't rim, and they couldn't Don't convert those. And so they you're right. Go to but even go when the they basket. did go to the basket, they were missing right at the point blank. Tatum and Brown yeah, missing right that? at the rim. They missed that. I think Joe Mazzula said, uh, according to his count, they missed 20 layups last night. So they missed so, 20 and, layups. And, they're known to do that though, right? And supposedly Tatum spent the whole summer working on finishing at the rim. Um, and so how is that going to manifest it? Can they work through that? Um, can they get better? There's a lot of season left to be played. They've shown a lot. They, at, at their best, they look like the best team in the league. 
but do we trust them when things get tight on the road in a playoff game? How confident are you in that, Michael Holland? As as a friend of mine said uh, recently, I don't have enough data. (laughs) I don't have enough data. I don't have enough data to say Yeah, it's like, I was asked about them last week. Uh, one of these fill in the blank. Hey, fill in the blank about the Celtics. The Celtics are, I said, evolving. They're still figuring it out. I mean, there are some questions. The questions you have about them, I don't have. I have other questions. I have questions about their uh, their depth, uh, you know, their consistency. Because you know, last night, if you if you haven't keeping up with the Celtics, you're like, who's the center? Who's this dude, number eighty eight? Man, you know, uh, wow. He looked good. Yeah. But you know, that's that's that was an outlier game. That was an outlier game for him. So most of the time they're relying on Al Horford, whose shot was not hitting last night. Had some great defensive plays, great block on Curry, kept it in bounds, started a break. Uh, they, they're counting on Horford for depth. They're counting, and then Porzingis didn't play last night. They're counting on Peyton Pritchard to give him points. They're counting on Sam Hauser, who who's like that. That's all he does is shoot threes. He's a three-point special. He couldn't hit a thing last night. That's what they count on him for. That's why he's on the team. He's just a shooter. And when he and and you have to question those guys when they get to the playoffs too. Adonde, as you know, covering all the NBA Finals and NBA playoff series that you have. If you're an offensive player, if you're if you're a one-way player, playoffs start. They say, okay, I'm gonna hunt that dude. We're gonna put, we're gonna hunt him off the floor. He's gonna be on the bench. You better, you better get your D up a little bit. You got to be at least passable on defense to stay on the floor when it comes to the playoffs because you're just gonna be irrelevant. The, the games are just the possessions. Each possession is just too valuable to have a weak link on defense. So I have questions about them on the edges, not necessarily their core, but the periphery. Anyway, I, I'm glad. I'm glad we still, after all these years, I know how you think when it comes to the greatest. <laughs> this is good to know. You know how but Steph I Curry. Steph Curry, you were still in the I top ten. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World? Like, hey, we came to play. Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Cause we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is seventy-six yards. The longest field goal ever missed. Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Put it in the top 10. After losing 63 to 21 to the Raiders on Thursday Night Football, the Chargers made the decision to part ways with head coach Brandon Staley. People are saying that Bill Belichick might be the front runner for the head coaching role. Yeah, no. Sh- 
Bill Belichick's going to be the front runner for any head coaching role. If he is available, I think everybody's going to want this guy. Now, who do you think they should go after as the next coach? Go get like a young, never heard of college coach. You like that route? I don't want a f- good coach to come in the f- <laughs> my division, dude. Get the f- out of here. I hope they f- can hire some jabroni, man. <laughs> I was like, uh, Travis Kelsey and Jason Kelsey talking about the news, and we've heard this a lot, Bill Belichick with the Chargers, and a lot of people trying to figure out what does it, what's a good fit for Belichick. Connor Rogers, I'm going to go back, though, to the premise. Jason Kelsey starts off by saying, hey, if Belichick is available, a lot of people are going to have him as a top candidate. Now, folks in New England would say, hmm, I don't know about that. Now, I want to hear from y'all. I want to hear from you and J.A. because, you know, live here in New England, so I want to know what the outside view is of Bill Belichick. Connor, uh, I'll start with you. Do you think everybody is lining up to sign Bill Belichick or hire Bill Belichick? No, I don't think so. And it's not just about Belichick and how things have gone the last couple of years in New England. It's the fact that if he's under contract and we don't know the specifics of this yet, is New England going to ask for compensation for him? We've seen coaches traded in this league. We've seen coaches traded for a high price. Right, exactly. So, and I don't think it'll be a low ask. I mean, I think a first rounder will be in play here, at least as an ask. And that will deter a lot of teams. So, especially for a guy that, you know, obviously you don't know how much longer he necessarily will be with your franchise. You have to wonder, you know, what went wrong in terms of the roster mismanagement over the years at the end there with New England. So, yeah, he'll be a commodity and he'll be a desirable one. But I don't think he's a fit for every team when you factor in the cost to get him, the cost to pay him. Not every owner in the league wants to pay a coach $20 million a year or whatever it may be. Those salaries are not public, uh, are not public knowledge. And then some will just look for a better fit in terms of a younger guy that molds with their roster the right way. So, yes, a few teams will be interested, but not everybody in the league. Connor, younger and more modern, right? And so it's funny. A few years ago when the Sean McVay became, you know, the mode in the NFL and and getting guys off McVay's tree like Brandon Staley, um, you know, and then they face each other in the Super Bowl and Belichick just undressed McVay. and, And it pointed to my argument I said okay well we want McVay we want a young offensive guy well like Bill Belichick is an older defensive guy and his way seemed to work pretty well but that was then this is now does the Belichick way still work not only for Belichick but a Belichick type with is, is that what you would look for if you were hiring a coach in in the NFL in 2023 2024 I think that what scares me here, guys, is the mismanagement of the quarterback position by the staff hires he's put in place. That would be the number one question I would have as an owner. If you're getting Belichick, you know they're going to be able to develop defense. You know there's going to be a lot of things that he can't go without. But who is he hiring as his offensive staff? Because the multiple different offensive staffs he's had work with, obviously Mac Jones and other young quarterbacks now, it's been a disaster, to be quite honest with you. And all of the defensive-minded head coaches in this league, that's ultimately what makes or breaks them. And you look at some of the open jobs, and we're starting with the Chargers right here. I think the Chargers ultimately moved on from Brandon Staley because of the and Tom Telesco, their GM, because they didn't draft an offensive line to protect Justin Herbert, and they never fully got it right with the offensive staff to set him up for success. Herbert's been good, but a lot of people are projecting Herbert to be a top three quarterback in the NFL. And that has not been the case. And you could say some of those failures are for from what's around him. And you have to ask yourself, is that what Bill Belichick is going to fix? 
I don't think anybody could say with certainty that he, that's what he could do in this era. I'm not confident in it. Yeah, I think I know what he would do, uh, fellas. In the job interview, the owner says, okay, who are you going to look at for your offensive staff? Hey, let me get my cell phone for a second. Let me go through my contacts. Josh McDaniels. <laughs> like, it's yeah. just Josh McDaniels. <laughs> just go to him. That's the default all the time. And if you're McDaniels, it's clear. Head coaching, this thing's not for you. Head coaching is not for you. But as an offensive coordinator, think about the people that you've worked with that you've had some success with. You developed, you were able, not with the Raiders, but with the Patriots, you were able to get something out of Jimmy Garoppolo. You were able to get something out of Matt Castle. When Tom Brady went down, Matt Castle hadn't played since high school, and they get 11 wins out of Matt Castle at that, at that position. They even had, you know, Jacoby Brissett was a young guy under Josh McDaniels. He has worked with non-Brady people. Mac Jones, that first year, that rookie year with Mac Jones, Mac Jones made the Pro Bowl under Josh McDaniels. So I think McDaniels with Justin Herbert, if that's what it winds up being, hey, Josh, I'm not even going to look at the offense. You take it over. You deal with Herbert, and I'll get this defense. Uh, a defense that somehow has a Bosa, any Bosa on defense, mm -hmm. and you're struggling. You got a Bosa. I know he's out for the year, but you got Bosa, and you got Khalil Mack, and you got Derwin James. And you're like 30 years in the 30s on defense. That's, that's, that, that's a joke. Well, let me ask you this uh, switching over another coach who may be available. Connor, uh, I can't stand this guy because uh, he coaches at a, at a school that I can't stand uh, Jim Harbaugh and I don't know why y'all trust him Michigan every year. Hey, Michigan uh, Jim Harbaugh signed an extension. And then every offseason he's applying for a job. Do you sign an extension or not? He don't want to be there. He don't want y'all. Y'all, y'all always I'm like the second. I'm trying to the separation, Michael Holly. Just because your Buckeyes hey. can't beat this guy hey. lately, you're trying yeah. to see, sow the seeds lately. of separation with Harbaugh. And lately, Michigan. yeah, this is personal lately, and emotional right now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but but I'm just just want to point out that that Ryan Day has a uh, still has a higher winning percentage against Michigan than Jim Harbaugh does against Ohio State, even with three straight wins. Now think about that for a second. Anyway, um, I want to say this though. Harbaugh is a damn good pro coach. He is. Um, I wouldn't trust him, Michigan. He's out, but for the pros, he'd be good for somebody. Connor, do you see a fit in the NFL for, for Jim Harbaugh's triumphant return? I do. I like the Chargers as a fit better than Belichick to the Chargers because when you look at Harbaugh, he is a guy that, yes, he's crazy. Some of the sound bites are nuts, and I'm with you, Holly. It feels like he's been trying to get back to the NFL a little bit under the radar, although a lot of it leaks out a couple of off seasons now. And why I look at the Chargers, though, Herbert is a guy that is a little bit more mild-mannered at the position that I think would take to his unorthodox style of coaching. And I don't know if every professional quarterback in the league would do that. They would do it the first year. But what we saw with Harbaugh for all the success he had, he burned guys out at the NFL level. He really, really did. And the college level, it's easy because in this era, they turn over every three to four years right now. It's as simple as that. And if or you earlier. burn them out in one or two or years, they year. transfer. Yeah, they transfer. Say, year every now. year. Exactly. So it's a much different game. You go back into the portal and you get a different guy in college free agency is what it is. So I think that's the fine line that NFL teams realize they have to walk with Harbaugh and why the Chargers make some sense. Well, one, he's almost desperate to come back to the NFL. It feels like as much success as he's had at the college level. It, and the Chargers are an organization that have a reputation for not always 
uh, going out the expensive route for the coaching. So it's not like Belichick where you're paying him 20 million a year or whatever that may be. I think it's actually a really good fit for Justin Herbert. He'd be able to what he's done at Michigan is he's built a stout offensive line that they can run the ball to protect the quarterback. And I think that thinking translates at every single level, but more important than ever, teams need it at the NFL level to protect their franchise quarterbacks. And I think that's exactly what the Chargers need right now. The Charger opening makes plenty of sense to me, but some of these other seats that are hot around the league, you know, Arthur Smith in Atlanta, you even hear some rumblings, Mike Tomlin in Pittsburgh, yeah. the, the portrait of stability, the Pittsburgh Steelers could even think of it. It, it just seems like every team, Robert Salah in, in, uh, in New York, um, you know, every team that isn't where it wants to be, it feels like, okay, they got to make a coaching move. David Tepper with all the coaches he's hired in his short tenure there in Carolina. Are we too quick on the trigger now? Is, is this the easy mm. solution? Is this kind of the, yeah. you know, the quick trigger reaction that, oh, they need a coaching change and that'll make everything better. Where, where do we stand on coaching in the NFL? I think the issue is, and it's a great question, Jay, because when you look at it, it's all scenario based. And I think removing the coach is always the easiest thing to do, right? There's not as much dead. There's no dead money on your salary cap. So it's not like a player that's like, Hey, we owe this guy 50 mil. Like, let's see how many snaps we can get out of him. You just eat the cash that uh, doesn't exist on your salary cap. So it's the one button you can often press. Now, it doesn't always mean it's the right move. When you think about bringing up a guy like Mike Tomlin, for example, to answer the first question of the segment, Every team would line up to get Mike Tomlin. I don't feel that way right now about this state of Bill Belichick or or Jim Harbaugh, but Mike Tomlin, a guy that never has a losing record in the NFL, a guy that you look at the Until cast of characters that he right and, yeah, it's, it's trending that you way. Know Right. With Mason Rudolph, I think any coach in the league would have that go the, you know, that way these next <laughs> few games. So I think when it comes down to it, there are times where guys deserve a reset because it's so hard to win every single year in the NFL. And I think Tomlin is a guy that deserves a reset. If they got Kenny, the Kenny Pickett pick wrong, then so be it. Give him a chance. That one would really, really surprise me with Sala and the Jets. The argument you look at why it's tough is, well, they lost Aaron Rodgers four plays into the season. But you look at these other teams competing with backup quarterbacks and backup players. I mean, the Jets have just been blown out too many times under Robert Sala. And in terms of the lack of a modern offense, I mean, they are matching numbers, historically bad records. So there's always scenario based things where a guy has earned that reset. And you could also sit there and wonder, maybe this guy hasn't. You know what? I think we all need to be as honest as wide receivers. I remember it was years ago when the reporters asked Randy Moss as a member of the Raiders, hey, hey, why aren't you why aren't you out there playing your best? Why aren't you uh, trying to hey, maybe if I felt better about things around here, I'd, I'd play better. You know, maybe I just don't like maybe I'm unhappy with the situation. He pretty much told everybody, hey, I'm checked out because I don't like the environment. George pick for George Pickens to say I didn't block at the goal line because I didn't want to get hurt. Wow. Don't a uh, dude that a filter filter. Don't admit that. <laughs> don't admit that out loud. It's hard to walk in the locker room with your offensive linemen, with your other other Oof. running backs, tight ends. Like, hey, man, I just didn't. I, and we had you a wide receiver. Who don't ask you to block 60, 70 times a game, bro? Like block near, near the goal line. Crazy. Anyway, who for what? Uh, speaking of. <laughs> Hey, yeah, right. Oh, yeah. Ricky Waters. That was great, too. Uh, here's another uh, crazy situation. Uh, we knew this was happening. 
but it was finally confirmed. We can stop playing the game. J.A., I know you got strong feelings on this. Let's listen to Aaron Rodgers telling you officially what the rest of the 2023 season, what he'll be doing the rest of the 2023 season. Here he is. I think the whole time it's been, uh, you know, hoping that we're still in it uh, because it, it was unrealistic to think that I would be uh, 100% uh, to be medically cleared um, at any point during the regular season. Um, I do feel like, uh, you know, in the next three to four weeks, uh, it would be very possible to get to 100%, um, but obviously not there. And, and so the conversation was uh, away from 100% medical clearance to a willingness to play. And that's never been a problem for me. Uh, I feel like I can play uh, more years and I can be effective uh, into my 40s, which is crazy because I thought that I'd probably be sitting on the couch somewhere at, uh, at 40. But now I, you know, I want to be a starter at 40. I want to be a starter at 41. I want to see uh, what I can get out of this body. I don't think that next year will be my last year. Um, with some of the things that, that I've learned over the last year, Y'all, this dude right here, this dude right here. I like, okay, stop, <laughs> stop, stop. You know, like, I, I can be 100% in three weeks. No, you can't. No, you can't. Stop. Like, you're still doing it. You're kind of backing away from playing in 2023, J.A. and Connor, but you're still doing that thing. Like, oh, I can recover from an Achilles and never say never and uh, my, my, my version of medicine and what I believe in. Hey, man, it was a torn Achilles. You ain't going to be 100% or even 75% in a month. It's not going to happen. Stop it. But I do J.A. appreciate the showmanship. He's a showman. That's what he is. I don't appreciate it. It, it wears on me. And I'm wondering, would we still have him on? The, the reason they think he wants to play is that I don't think anyone would listen to him if he's not playing or even raising the possibility of playing, right? So the reason he wants to keep playing another couple years is because I don't think he has enough interesting stuff to say just commenting on the world, uh, or I don't think there would be an audience if he's no longer playing. And he clearly likes to be on the microphone, right? Be behind the microphone. So I think playing right now is a vehicle to give him the platform to keep talking because on his own, if you take away even the possibility of playing, I don't think people are tuning in to listen to, to Aaron Rodgers. I don't know what you think about this, Connor. Yeah, I mean, it's kept him in the spotlight, obviously, the idea of returning if the Jets could have been in the playoff hunt. Well, Never know. I, I had heard when he came off of IR, he was still really, really far away being here in New York. I know people had started to leak out Christmas Eve. That never felt realistic to me. I thought the earliest was, and this would have been a miracle, but he would have had to play that final game against the Patriots in January if he was going to try to come back for a legit playoff run. And like you guys said, it was never going to be 100%. It was probably not even going to be 75%. And you ask yourself in the NFL with all these guys constantly running away from pass rushers, was it ever realistic? So I think at the end of the day, it's, you know, the good thing for the Jets and him is that he came back to the building and he's a really important person in terms of going over that offense because Nathaniel Hackett has literally no idea what he's doing. That's how bad that offense has been. <laughs> but in terms of this miraculous comeback that would have beaten Cam Akers record of about five and a half, six months it just never seemed realistic, and now we can kind of put it to bed. See, I, I, I'm laughing because, yeah, I have my Ohio State bitterness. You know, Ohio State losing to Michigan. <laughs> I got my bitterness. Your, 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 your inner Jets fan just comes out, 
you're just mad. You're mad. And then, you know, you it's should just be honest. mad. You should be. It's honest. Yeah, yeah, they don't yeah, score any points. You're honest, and, you're honest and you're mad. I mean, both things right. are true. Yeah, you're honest. Yeah, you can, do both, you can do both at once. They don't have to be in a vacuum. Yeah, it's unfair. It was only how many? It was four snaps. Four snaps. Yeah, I feel let down. I don't. I don't root for the Jets, and I feel like I, I, I tuned in for that game. I was ready to go. Okay, Jets, Bills, we got Aaron Rodgers, and four snaps in. Come on. I feel like I was robbed. I mean, but Connor Rodgers were never, were never robbed by your appearances, man. I appreciate you. Thanks for thank coming you on guys. the show, man. Oh, thank you. It's a blast talking to you guys. Thanks, Connor. And, and happy holidays. Happy holidays to you and your, you and your family, you and your bride. Thanks, Holly. Appreciate you guys. We'll talk soon. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Happy holidays. All right, we will. But like it was the perfect, you know, ending, um, perfect day, um, you know, being able to come back and play um, and also deliver, you know, a game winner for us to win the game. Um, over this little time, you know, I've been, you know, putting a lot of trust in God uh, even more, you know, getting closer with God. And I know he has a plan for me. Um, and I feel like, you know, it's already, already written. Um, so, you know, I'm just, you know, letting him lead me. Right, uh, J.A., last night uh, in New Orleans at the Smoothie King Center. I don't know how, how you feel about Smoothie King, but the Smoothie King Center in New Orleans. It was Memphis and John Morant winning at the buzzer. And I don't know if that was divine or not, but 34 points and your return to the court, spinning in the lane on a defensive stopper. I think defensive stoppers, by the way, are overrated when it... I, I, you, you bring up an offensive talent, a great talent, and a defensive stopper. Give me the great talent. Come on. He cooked Herb Jones down the stretch in like in the last two, two or three minutes. Anyway, John Morant back. It was fun to see. And I understand what why the NBA did what it did in the 25 games. But I miss this guy. I miss watching him. And now I want more. Give me more Memphis. I had no interest in Memphis uh, in those first 25 games pre-jaw. Now, rest of the year, load me up with Memphis. I want to see this guy do his thing. It was a reminder. I had almost forgotten how exciting he is to watch, uh, you know, how dynamic he can be, 
how he really is one of the emerging young stars in the league. I, I just wish the story could feel more uplifting. It's not like he came back from an injury. It's not like Aaron Rodgers telling us he was going to make this miraculous return from the torn Achilles. You know, he was suspended. We didn't have him on the court for the Grizzlies' first 25 games, specifically uh, for his actions, uh, for him not learning from the first mistake of waving a gun on social media. And then for him to be running around afterwards saying, I kept receipts. For what kept were receipts. What are those receipts for? Like, like, what were people saying? Like, no one said you couldn't play anymore. No one said that, oh, the Grizzlies aren't going to miss him. He's no good. Uh, we knew you needed you. Uh, that 6-19 and 19 record was a, almost a testimony to how important you were to this team. So no one was saying you couldn't play anymore. No one was doubting, oh, is he still going to have when he comes back? You know, the way he plays, rest probably suited him, right? Because he wasn't crashing to the floor during those first 25 games the Grizzlies played. He wasn't getting hurt. Uh, so I'm just having a hard time feeling uplifted by this story because well, what it didn't, well, what it didn't prove that he's learned his lesson, right? It, it didn't yeah. show that, was he humbled by this whole experience? I didn't get that sense, hey, did you? He said he got, he said he got closer to God. He got closer to God. So maybe, hey, oh yeah, look, time will tell. Time will tell if, if he's learned his lesson or not. Um, I hope in his celebration last night, he didn't go on IG live. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that, that'll be sign hey, one. Has hey, he Grizzly. deleted his social media accounts? That'll be one step to indicate that he's learned from this experience. When your social media has cost you, yeah. it, it's cost him over a quarter, you know, like $25 million probably, right? At least, you know, in terms of the loss, uh, you know, ext- he, he couldn't get the, the max extension that he would have qualified for uh, if he would have finished out the season and been on an all-NBA team. It cost him, you know, the money that he missed from the being suspended, all these things. So, like, if losing that many millions of dollars can't at least convince you that social media doesn't need to play any role in your life, then he hasn't learned anything. I hope he's learned. I hope he's better for us. I hope he can be someone that we can feel good about. I hope that the story turns out to be one of redemption and that he can take his place, his rightful place, among the emerging young stars in this league. But I'm not ready to proclaim that based off one game as spectacular as he was last night. And you, a, another question I still have, Michael, is is, is Zion Williamson ever going to get with it? Or, 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 you know, John's still ahead of Zion. This was a chance for Zion to catch up. You know, Zion, they came into the league together, 2019 rookie class. Yeah. John has played more games than Zion. He scored more points in the NBA than Zion. Um, and these two marquee games when Zion has a chance to steal the spotlight, he could have very well have upstaged Ja last night and been like, I'm the guy. Instead, Zion, I think, was minus 13 during his time on the court. Um, You know, Ja was like plus 12, including the game-winning shot. So I keep waiting for it to happen. Zion had a shot in the the in-season tournament semifinal to Mm. show something on the national stage. Instead, he opened himself up to ridicule from Shaq and Barkley and Stephen A. Smith. So, in one game back, Ja just continued to distance himself away from Zion. And I want to see Zion catch up and or surpass him to fulfill the expectations we had when he was the number one pick in 2019. I'd like to see that too. Uh, you mentioned the end season tournament. I can't wait to get your take on this. So, New Orleans loses, I think it was in the, in, in what they call the, semifinals 
like I'm just sorry. I just I, I just why is that so funny, dude? I know he you was went. A I know you went. I know the you went. The winners advance to the final. Okay, yeah, the semifinals of the in-season tournament, uh, the the NBA's December tournament, little December uh, holidays, like like in basketball, like in December high school delirium. basketball, the Open, the NBA December Open, delirium. the NBA Open. Yeah, right. In, in December, good, nice job, good for you, good for you. Anyway, he didn't play well against the Lakers. The Lakers crushed the Pelicans. And then the Lakers in an epic NBA. I know you cover a lot of NBA finals, but you'll never forget Lakers versus Pacers. You'll never forget that one. You never forget that highlight of your career. Um, how do you feel about man? How do you feel about the Lakers hanging that banner? I can't get past this. I'm, I'm no, outraged this, by this, it. I'm offended by it. Right. I went off on a rant. I was on uh, the podcast with with. David Aldridge and, and Marcus Thompson and I, I shout out David Aldridge, shout out Marcus Thompson, um, shout out both of those brothers. <laughs> those are my guys, but yeah, I'm, I'm offended by yeah, it. It's, it's absurd to, to, to raise a banner for it, um, you know, especially hanging next to all those 17 actual championship banners that the Lakers have won in their franchise history. So look at the um, slow, look at the slow one too, and it, it kind of wobbled a little bit as they were as they were dropping yeah. the, the the cover down, but. Um, you know, the, the fact that it's funny because they put so much into it. They've only won one game since. The Pacers, who really use this tournament as a coming out party, especially for Tyrese Halliburton, they've only won one game since. And, and they've been getting blown and out. And who wind up being punitive? Been... Like, like there's, guess yeah. what? You know, we found that they, they oh, instituted this tournament to, oh, to, to, to bring some juice to the regular season to motivate some teams to play a little harder. Well, guess what? There was a reason teams might have been coasting through the regular season. 82 games is a lot okay. of games. It's a lot to put your body through. And we're seeing those, those teams that played the most, that played the hardest during it, are now struggling as the rest of the team that coasted are passing them by. Adam Silver, you hear this? You hear this from J.A. Adande. I don't know who your uh, assistant commissioner is. As a matter of fact, Maybe J.A. Adonde should be the commissioner. And, Maybe and he I'm should saying this as someone, I yeah, enjoyed the tournament sense? game. Do you hear this common sense here? I, I will say that I enjoyed game? the tournament games. I, I appreciated the fact that the players cared so much about it, that they had good effort. The games were fun to watch, more so than your typical games, because of the effort they were putting forth. But uh, there should be a greater reward and one that comes at the end of the season, not a banner raised during the middle of the season. Um, and also, they could be punitive. So the Pacers right now, they played the extra game by playing in the championship. Right now, they're in line to play in the playing tournament. They could wind up playing, if they play two playing tournament games, they could wind up with an 85-game regular season. Yeah, uh, like, wh why don't they do this? You're going to make it a tournament, and I, I think it's, uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of it, as you can tell. But if you're going to do it, do it the right way. Don't have these, like, you know, group, group A, group B. No, don't do that. This is what you do. Shut down the, the NHL has done it. Shut down the league for uh, two or three weeks. Shut it down, and only only things that are being played uh, in the league in this three week span are turn your tournament games. Seed them, the league one through thirty. Who's your thirtieth seed? Who's your one seed? And then maybe we could get beyond uh, get uh, get behind the San Antonio Spurs, the thirty seed. The Detroit Pit. Look at these Pistons. The 29 seed. Here we are. We don't, we don't like, need to see extra Pistons games. <laughs> hey, hey, but if they win, but if they're winning, they go on a run. I, I don't think Just even like the NCAA motivation tournament. of a banner, an extra banner, would be enough to help these Pistons win a game. 
Like, like right now, they got the motivation of trying to avoid the worst losing streak in NBA history. So they should have plenty of motivation as it stands. It's a lot of... They don't have enough talent. Know, we've seen so many, like, bad teams at once. It usually only have a team, like, the historically bad all by itself. But the Pistons, the Spurs, and really the Wizards. Bad. I'll ask you this, Michael. Oh, Does that give you oh. pause to expanding the league? If we've got teams this bad already, do we need oh. two more expansion teams? I want contraction. Now, I don't want to expand. I want. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. I want to take away four or five teams. Take them away. All right, Jay, what's this Can I Get a Witness story? What is this? Michael, in all the annals of wrongful terminations, this one might take the cake. A man here in Chicago was just relieved after serving 12 years of what had been a 76-year sentence for a murder conviction. Uh, as it turned out, the, the lead witness whose testimony put him in prison, he was legally blind. And they knew that at the time, and yet they still went with his and the, wit- and the testimony of another witness who said he was coerced by the police now this brother is free, at least, except for that. But, man, a dozen years in prison? Man. This is blind, straight out of my cousin Vinny. That's straight out of my cousin Vinny, isn't it? <laughs> like, what? The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.